been a while since I did a song that was on the heavier side, so today I thought I'd pull out an old classic favorite of mine. This is Iron Maiden with the track on their seminal album, Somewhere in Time, called Sea of Madness. Now, Iron Maiden, for me, is an interesting band in terms of my musical history. If I go back to the earliest days when I was actually developing my musical taste, uh, in my extremely younger years, I was taking classical piano lessons, and I had some older siblings that would play whatever tracks were happening on the radio. And I had an aunt who had given us a lot of her classic older albums from Elton John, The Beatles, The Doors, etc. So I was vaguely aware of music, and I was constantly surrounded by great music. But I didn't really become a collector, a true listener of music until I picked up the bass guitar. And that happened because my brothers decided that the three of us should form a band once they heard Van Halen's 1984. So for me, Michael Anthony was probably the first influence on me as a bass player. The first time I actually understood what the role of the bass was in rock music. And I'm sort of glad about that because Mike taught me the most important thing about being a bass player, which is to hold down the bottom end, lock in with your drummer, and don't try to draw too much attention to yourself. Understanding your role in the band, in other words. But then as I started branching out into other bass players and I became more exposed to a lot more music, I learned that the bass can play a much more prominent role as well. And two other bass players quickly became important influences for me. The first, of course, was Geddy Lee of Rush. I've already talked about him on the show. He absolutely blew my mind. And the second, the third major influence on me as a bass player would have to be Steve Harris of Iron Maiden. Harris has such a unique style, and the aggressive, heavy nature of Iron Maiden's music had obvious appeal to me as a teenager, of course, and it was such a great exercise to put on an Iron Maiden record and try to keep up with Steve while he was playing. It was like training for a marathon or something. Two songs in, and you feel like your hands are going to fall off. It's so fast and so relentless. So this tune, Sea of Madness, is on the first record of Iron Maiden's that I ever heard, Somewhere in Time. Many consider it to be their best record. I would have a hard time arguing with that, though I do also love their next album, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, probably equally. But this is the golden era of the band. This is after Nico McBrain, Bruce Dickinson, and Adrian Smith had joined, and before Adrian Smith left the band originally. And although Harris does the bulk of the writing for the band, this song is actually a good example of how good Adrian Smith is at composition. His tunes were just different enough while fitting in the overall style of the group, so I always enjoyed the couple of tunes he would contribute. The tune starts off with this great blues riff with just a couple of hits on the drums and bass, and then the bass and drums explode for a bit into some crazy hits just before singing into the main groove. And the groove on this tune is one of the primary reasons I chose it today. The song has a weird kind of variant of the traditional gallop that Iron Maiden made famous, that ride a horse kind of sound that they are known for. It's not quite as straightforward as that. And at times in the song, as it varies up, the song almost feels as if it's in an odd time when it's not. I'll get to that more in a bit. The verse melody is typically great and very high vocal from Bruce Dickinson as usual. He's got such a great rock voice. And the lyrics from Adrian Smith fit in perfectly with a dystopian, futuristic kind of theme of the whole record. This is not quite a concept album, but it sort of is. And then we get to the pre-chorus. And we get the first major time feel shift. It's still 4-4, but Nico is emphasizing the third and seventh beats on the snare, and the chord changes come in before the one on each measure. They actually switch on the last 16th note of the measure prior, which gives it this really cool, anxious feel. It almost feels like 7-8, but it's not, while the melody ignores all that and just soars over the rhythm really smoothly. Then in the main chorus, he changes up the feel again, 
with the snare hits now on three and six, and the chord changes are still a 16th note early. And another great melody with high harmony over it coming from Bruce Dickinson. It's really great stuff. Then we get this little intro before the second verse, and I love that they modulate the riff up to A. So they're playing the main riff, but they play it in A instead of E, right? Coming off the G at the end of the chorus, just until the vocals come back, and then they bring it back down to E. And that provides a smooth transition between the two keys. And more importantly, it sets our expectations to hear that A again after the second chorus. We're going to want to hear that A come back up. And of course, they're going to not do that, which is such great writing. To me, music is all about giving the ear what it wants to hear most of the time. And then every once in a while, just going against that expectation, throwing you for a loop. It's so satisfying to be surprised at various places throughout a song. Okay, so then we get to this bridge. And man, for me, this is where the song goes from being cool to being exceptional. First, we get a modulation up to B minor from the G that I mentioned before at the end of the chorus. And we were expecting that A. And so the B comes in as a nice, really cool surprise. And we get just a hint of the signature guitar harmonies that are so famous from Iron Maiden. But just a hint, because then it breaks into a short guitar solo. Then, and when we get to the end of the solo, it modulates again to C-sharp, and the whole band breaks down. Steve Harris goes way up on his neck to play this beautiful little feature part in his higher register on the bass, and the whole tune gets super mellow and beautiful for a moment. The solo leads, Adrian Smith is playing on his guitar in this part, are really amazing too. He hangs on these color tones, and he ends these phrases off the root notes. You get this really longing, pretty sound. And then Nico's drums bring it back up slowly into this build that brings us right back to the last verse. And it's one of my favorite moments that Iron Maiden has ever composed. And it's, that's a lot. They have a lot of great songs with a lot of great parts during this era. But for some reason, this particular part always gets me every single time I hear it. the song gets back to the final verse, bridge, and chorus. And at the end of the final chorus, interestingly, we go back to the A, right? That what we did at the end of the first chorus with this new part that basically is, is repetition of a vocal line over the simple chord changes suspended over the A bass note. So it's classic Iron Maiden. And yet, just a hint of a different style that Adrian Smith has brought to the band. such a great example from that era of Iron Maiden. It's still one of those albums that I love to put on every once in a while and just listen through from start to finish. It's also one of the few records in my collection where I can just strap on a bass and play the album from start to finish all the way through. Although these days, I don't know if I have the chops for it anymore. I'd probably get completely exhausted and my hands would be falling off by the second tune. If you dig this song and you haven't really gotten into Iron Maiden before, I say it's worth the effort to get this whole album, give it a spin. The technical ability of all the players in the band is undeniable. The overall sound of this record, while maybe it's a bit thin by modern standards, it was made in the 80s, 
least it still rocks pretty hard. Uh, the guitar tones between Smith and Dave Murray are really blended well, and there's just tons to like it in pretty much every song. Thanks for tuning in to the Weekly Listen. Subscribe to this show via Apple's iTunes or wherever it is you like to get your podcasts. iTunes ratings are always helpful too, and I'd appreciate it if you'd share the show with your friends. Apple Music and Spotify links to today's track can be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash theweeklylisten and become a patron. Your support will go a long way to helping me keep the show going. Speaking of support, I want to give a shout out to my executive producers on this episode, Alec and Kevin. Thank you. You help make this show possible. If you want to learn more about how you can become an executive producer on this show, go to patreon.com slash theweeklylisten. If you have any comments, suggestions, or you just want to chat with your fellow listeners about the music, you can reach out on micro.blog at theweeklylisten. I encourage everyone to join the conversation. Thanks, and we'll be back next week with more music. Music.